Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be taking a look at the selection issues that Eddie Jones faces as he picks his squad for the Six Nations. Then we'll take a look at all the action from a busy weekend of European rugby and who's going to make it through to the knockout stages this weekend. And we'll be joined by Leinster and Ireland back row Kaylin Doris as well. Before we get started, make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Jim, what's going on, mate? You made it. Where are you? Where's my dinner? That's all I'm saying. Where's your dinner? Where's your fucking arms gone, mate? I'm looking at you here on Zoom and you've got a vest on and I feel sick. Uh, Like two noodles popping out of a grey vest. Well, there's a double adaptation and analytical analysis you've just given then. Where's my dinner? You said noodle arms. I've basically got a vest on. I don't know why we're going around the house on here. I'm in Dubai, lads. I'm in Dubai. Where's my dinner? I'm wearing a vest. I made it. We made it. Sorry. We made it, I should say. I'm here with the family. It's not just me. I'm trying to be positive. Let me put it this way. It's not snowing. (laughs) <laughs> come on mate it's paradise out there at times you're you've been waiting for this holiday for about three years the kids must be in kids club i can't tell you on holiday how many fucking photos and stuff you put up on social media how about just enjoy your holiday every two minutes instead of going oh i'm here at the anantara again on my story <laughs> <laughs> he's actually the worst andrew <laughs> live your life pal enjoy it with the fam hey bit can you take a photo of me just leaning up against this wall <laughs> It's called Andy Rowe. You won't know. Andrew, you'll know a little bit about the tweet meals and all the other long ambassador deals you've got. Influencer, or as Dave Flatman calls me, influenza. So however you look at it, <laughs> however you look at it, I'm just putting my good laugh out there. That's part of the deal with the Anantara Dubai. I need to give them a shout out before I give a couple of negatives, not about the Anantara Dubai, but more around the fact that it's been raining for two days. It hasn't rained in Dubai in 40 years, apparently. They made it rain themselves, apparently, when it rained last time here. So I don't know why. We started off with a negative, but a positive is... I'm at the Anantara in Dubai. Come and find me. There's a few people that have already found me. A Northampton fan, a Bristol's fan. Uh, both not very happy with me for some reason about what I've said historically about Bristol's and Northampton. But nonetheless, who's happy? I'm happy. So I'm here. I'm in my vest. A bit sunburned, albeit it's rained the last couple of days. But the hotel I'm in is sensational. Andrew, you know, you have a very different experience when you come to Dubes to myself. We've got the four kids. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of hysteria. There's a lot of sand being thrown. There's a bit of shouting from dad. There's a bit of moaning from dad. And <laughs> my experience is very different. Goody's been messaging me. He's like, mate, when are you heading to Nobu? I was like, <laughs> I'm trying to help you out here. You are. I'd go to Nobu for breakfast, for lunch and dinner. Help me out. Help a man out. How do I get there? How do I go with no kids? What do I do? Well, basically, and for the millions of listeners, I've got a nanny out in Dubai that we use that I've offered up to Jim. <laughs> I know the head chef at Nobu who I messaged and he said, if Jim wants to come, I will treat him like a king. So I tried to arrange it. I tried to put it in place for Jim to take back out a bit of romance, just mum and dad going out for dinner, leaving the kids with the nanny. And I've tried to organise a little bit of romance for Jim Hamilton and Beck. Hamilton, who is the boss, who is an absolute saint for dealing with Jim 24-7 and basically raising the four kids and Jim popping in when he fancies it. And he just said, no, he said, I can't do it. I can't face it. I can't face a one-on-one dinner with the missus. It's not to do with a one-on-one. It's not to do with not wanting a one-on-one time. It's to do with Dubai gets enough heat, as it is, Andrew, as you know. And I feel like I don't want to take advantage of the other opportunities that are out there. I'm in a hotel, the Anantara in Dubai. I'm happy, I'm comfortable. 
But I'll go back to what you said at the start. I have been on my phone a bit. I don't feel, and I said this to Beck, she's like, why are you always on your phone? I was like, David Flatman, influenza. Like, I've, I've got to be on there. It's part of the job. And she said, well, look, just put it down. We'll make a deal where if you're watching rugby and you're not on Instagram and Twitter, fine. But even though Twitter is rugby effectively, especially when you're here and everything's geo-blocked, I don't mind you being on your phone. But we've had to kind of compartmentalize how we enjoy the holiday. My point being is I don't feel like I need a holiday. I need the sun. And it's rained a couple of days. So basically half the time we've been here. But it's a time for being creative and positive. It's the new year. It's Jan. I spent three or four weeks with the family before New Year <laughs> at Christmas. I've spent two years with them in lockdown, lads. <laughs> I don't need family time at the minute. So the phone's been down. I was given a Rubik's Cube by the family to try and migrate through. I looked at it for about three seconds and put it down before it went through the window <laughs> of the Lamborghini parked out the front. But no, my point being is I'm here well-earned break in the sun in Dubai bit of rain unbelievable hotel the vest is on I look absolutely hanging but you've said it before Andrew compared to some of the other dads out here I look like the rock you do I'm telling you I don't want to body shame anyone or any man but I look a million dollars lads when I'm walking around (laughs) I feel a million dollars I do and I ain't in the best of shape I mean it's got to the point now where there's a realisation, we spoke about it in our New Year's resolution plans and plays that are never going to be run through, let's be honest. We're not going to get through them past the end of Jan. But one of the things I've come to realise as I'm on holiday with the four kids, and I'm not 40 quite yet, you ain't looking good, are you? There ain't many 40-year-olds that are looking good. Goody, don't answer this, but like, I'm bending down, the arse crack's hanging out. <laughs> you know, there's a bit of IBS going on because I'm eating Oriental, Mediterranean, Medieval... <laughs> like every bit of food that's in the buffet, I'm eating it. A bit of a rash, bit of a heat rash. I ain't seen the sun in two years. You, you've got to accept that as much as you want to look unbelievable and you do want to look like The Rock and you want to put that picture on with the New York filter, you can do that. But the reality is that it is arse crack hanging out. It's a bit of air at the bottom of the back, which I never used to have. It is a bit of a heat rash. It's a bit of sand in between the toes. I've got the Mauler's toe on show. A bit itchy and a bit sweaty in places, which I shouldn't be. But that's the sun and the heat. And... What I'm trying to say, I'm happy, lads. I'm content <laughs> with the direction of my life. Goody, what have you been up to last week, mate? I, I can tell you. I can hit you now because he mentioned drama to me and there's a bit of drama in my life all the time. This weekend of Ruggers, and he's going to get into it, it's drama-rama, if that is a word. If it wasn't, well, it is now. Andrew, have you been loving it this weekend? You have been everywhere. Talk about selfies. You've been on Sarah Elgin's social media Big lol didn't put you in any of this. You've been all over the ruggers. Has this been the best weekend of your life? <laughs> no, it hasn't, James, I'll be honest. Yeah, Saturday I was up at the uh, the Coventry Building Society Arena to watch Wasps dispatch the European champions with 14 men. I mean, How good. it was unbelievable there. The stadium's not rammed, but the Andy Good Suite is absolutely rammed in every week. And then Sunday, I was a long day actually at BT Sport. So I did the Claremont Sale game at BT Sport and then we did the highlight show. And actually... If you're a rugby pig, if you are a rugby nose, it's a great job because you're going through every game. There was 12 games on in the Champions Cup. And do you know what? First and foremost, we spoke a couple of weeks ago. Is it going to go ahead? What's going to happen? We thought a load of games might fall by the wayside because of COVID and all the issues around the travel and stuff. But actually, to get to Sunday night and do the highlight show where the Champions Cup has seen 12 games go ahead and for various different reasons, there were some bizarre results but it was great to see so much ruggers and I was apt I got home last night at about 11 o'clock hardly seen the missus and the kids all weekend well mate they're gonna get Gucci handbags aren't they next week <laughs> like so you know if you're my kids you get moochies but yours will be getting Gucci handbags but I was actually meant to be working this weekend Andrew and because I'm on holiday I had to cancel it I was meant to be doing Con at Leicester and the Leinster and the I don't even know I can't even say the bin men basically the Leinster game like I was meant to be doing the two games don't know why I'm telling you this just to let you know that I um, there's still appetite for me to be wanted and to be working out there because you're owning that BT sports space now and I just want to let people know that I could be there with you you're available well I'll tell you who they used instead of you mate I know who the Connacht game was was it Ben Kaiser was it hello Ben Kaiser did both of them I thought he did a great job so mate you just keep enjoying your holidays well when you get back we've got the Guinness Six Nations live tour Cracking on. Do you guys want an update? We announced the shows last week. Do you guys want an update on where we are with the uh, ticket sales? Far away, Andy Rowe. All right. Edinburgh. Sold out. No doubt. Jim Hamilton in the house, in his hometown. Sold out. London. My town. And my town. Sold out. 
There we go. Of course it is. Dublin? No doubt about this one. Sold out. Belfast. Belfast has got to be sold out. Purely, there's going to be love in the room. There's going to be a meeting of eyes, a meeting of minds, a meeting of two very tall human beings. Jim Hamilton and Titty Von Tramp. It's got to be sold out, surely. Sold out. Sold out Belfast. Yeah, Belfast sold out. In a week. Knew it. Liverpool. I reckon this one might be tough because it's a football town. (laughs) I'm saying sold out. Two times over. Not even close. (laughs) Loads left for Liverpool. So make sure you get your mates and head along to that one. Bring your teammates as well. Maybe for Liverpool, we'll get a footballer there. I saw Steve McManaman at BT Sport yesterday. I should have asked him. Jamie Redknapp. He follows you, doesn't he? Jamie Redknapp. Yeah, he does. I'll I'll message him bring him along as well. How much cash we got to get him to come? I'll come for free. Charity, mate. (laughs) And Manchester and Cardiff, there's still a few tickets left there, so you don't want to miss out on those. So make sure if you're thinking about coming along to those, you get in quick and snap up the last remaining ones for Manchester and Cardiff. We've got Ashy coming along to Liverpool. There you go. We haven't got a footballer, but we've got a, a, a rugby player. We've got Chris Ashton coming along. Well, that's why, Andy Rowe. The Liverpool one, we've got Chris Ashton coming. No wonder it ain't bloody sold out. Let's get rid of him. And let's tell the millions. Ian Rush is coming. <laughs> okay, Ashley's out. And Wales, we have for Cardiff, we've got Wales and British and Irish Lion. Richard Hibbert joining us for Cardiff. Should be good. He can sing as well, that boy. So we'll get him singing, chopping pints responsibly. Guinness and Blackcurrant, here we come. And tickets are available on eventbrite.co.uk. Just search for the rugby pod. And everyone gets a free pint of Guinness as well. So you might as well. Well, we'll get into the European rugby in a minute. But Eddie Jones names his England squad for the Six Nations on the day that this podcast is released. Are you guys expecting any surprises? Andrew, you're obviously going to be closer to this, having worked all weekend on the games and having a better overview of England. Albeit I'm a quarter English and I've got an unbelievable overview. But yours is better than mine. It's an exceptional overview. I'm Scotland till I die. How, when you look at this England team, is he going to leave someone like Ford out? I think the question will be, is Faz fit? The rumours are that he is. Then it comes down to the whole Marcus Smith thing. I know we're talking about the squad. So Marcus Smith, I think everyone can agree, will be starting against Scotland, even if Faz is fit, I think. No? Well, you hope so. Don't forget this is Eddie Jones we're talking about. So Marcus Smith, and I said it on BT Sport last night, in terms of form, I don't know if there's a better player in the world right now. Him and DuPont, when DuPont played a couple of weeks ago, I know DuPont's picked up a bit of an injury, but... Marcus Smith is probably on form. I know we're only talking effectively Northern Hemisphere because the Southern Hemisphere boys are on holiday, but he's the best player in the world right now, is he not? Mm. No? I think so, but I don't think we can say I don't think with our influence on Eddie, we can say that because he won't pick him. I see what you're doing. I see what you did. But you're a Scotsman, so surely you'd rather him not play because he's playing so well. So Damn. Yeah, sorry, I was just, <laughs> I, had me, I had me neutral hat on about like, best players for England. You had your England hat on because you're English. No, because we're talking about England. So you've got him. If Marcus Smith's one of the form tens or players in the world, George Ford ain't far behind him. So how is he not in the squad? But it, I mean, there's a chance that he won't be. And then you've got the back row and you've got all this other stuff that we can talk about. But I think the headline being George Ford, will he be in? Yeah, I think on form, you're looking at it. And the fact that Farrell hasn't played for ages, and we learned this, go back to the Six Nations last year, when Eddie Jones picked a lot of the Saracens boys who had hardly played any rugby, and it went incredibly wrong, didn't it, for England? They were out of form. He stuck with them and hoped that they came good, and they didn't. You know, we got beaten by Scotland at Twickenham for the first time in about 400 years. You know, we lost to Wales over in Cardiff. We beat France at home, but then we got absolutely spanked by Ireland away from home as well. So you think he's learnt his lesson? He's going to have Farrell in the squad. You know, Farrell probably only has to play a game for Saracens, which realistically has got to be this weekend. Otherwise, he hasn't played any rugby. So I expect George Ford to be in the squad. Do I expect him to be in the match day 23? No. I think Marcus Smith deserves to start without a shadow of a doubt at 10. And then with Farrell being in the squad and his influence around leadership, I think Farrell will either start at 12 or be on the bench. So that's the way Eddie Jones sees Owen Farrell and the importance of Owen Farrell within the squad. George Ford has played exceptionally well. He's kicking the leather off it. He didn't play at the weekend. He was rested, uh, but I'm sure he'll be back with a vengeance this weekend against Bordeaux. But on form, you've got to say he deserves his spot, but then he deserved his spot in November as well in the squad. And he wasn't involved in that whatsoever, was he? And it ended up being George Furbank playing at 10 against Tonga because of a COVID issue. And one of the things we've got to remember is actually the side of Eddie Jones' squad. And I still think it hasn't been announced how big he can have the squad. I think they were trying to extend it so that he could have a few more bodies in there because it was restricted in November. 
in terms of numbers. So that will give him a little bit of leeway if it is an extended squad and George Ford will get the opportunity on form. But I can't see him starting. You've got to play Marcus Smith and give him the reins. And whether that's with Owen Farrell at 12 or not, essentially Henry Slade at 12 as opposed to a Farrell. And then you're looking at a 13. I know Manu Tuolangi hasn't played yet and there's question marks when he's going to be fit. It's quite a lot of work for Eddie Jones to do, to be fair. Is Alfie Barbary going to get him? I hope so. But again... Looking at the back row, this is something we speak about naturally, and we'll chat to Kellen Doris about it as well. One of the most contested position, really, in any team. You know, your back rows are normally your most talented, and you've normally got a load of them because they fit the mould of a more normal-sized human being. I say that in terms of the profile of the players that play in that position in terms of height. And Alfie Barbary, as amazing as he's playing... The question would be, can he step up? Well, we saw that against Toulouse. And I did watch the game back. I found a way of getting through just because I'm an influencer. And he was phenomenal in that game. And we message on Twitter. So for that reason, he gets the nod. I was out in Wales with his mate and we FaceTimed him. That gets the nod as well. But my point being around the profile of the back rows, is he any different to Tom Curry, who we know Eddie loves playing at eight? Is he better than Don Brandt, who's been proven now for probably two two years, 18 months, two years? Yeah. I'm not saying that he isn't. And, and if he isn't, he's not far away from it. It's a big call for him to leapfrog. And he might be in the squad. Like Eddie might put him in the squad, but it's going to be a big call for him to leapfrog and make the test team ahead of even guys like Ben Earl. Billy Van Napola, will he be back in the squad? And I think this is, out of all the squads, when you look at the England team, with how well they're playing in the Premiership and some of the results at the weekend in Europe, and Alfie Barbary is one of them, isn't he? I suppose we had the same thing when Jack Willis was playing so well at Wasps as well. Like, where would he mm. fit into that? So, I don't know, Goody, you're closer again to the Wasps team. Obviously, you rate him, everyone rates him. He is proper. He's a proper player. Yeah, he is. And I think I think the big thing around it is how he fits into. Eddie's plans. We know Eddie likes a tall, rangy six, who's a line-out option. Obviously, Courtney Laws was captain in the in the autumn when Farrell sort of missed out through injury. And I know Courtney Laws went off at the weekend. Courtney Laws will start at six if he's fit. And he'll probably skip England if things sort of pan out and Owen Farrell isn't quite ready or whatever. So you're then looking at number eight. You've got Don Brandt, you've got Simmons. Both of those boys are in sparkling form as well. I think Alfie Barbary should be in the squad. Do I see him starting? I don't see him starting at the minute. Listen, he's on outstanding form for for Wasps, especially over the last two weeks. He's a big, powerful... He's literally a youngster with proper old man dad strength. And you look at him, he's about 21, 22, whatever he is. He looks about 40. Old man teeth as well. Where are his teeth? (laughs) He's cheering, he's smiling. He ain't got a tooth. Hopefully he gets picked for England so he gets a match free and he can sort his tooth out. Do you remember when we played with Backy? Right, and every time, like he had to do an interview, he always had someone run on and give him his false teeth, so he didn't look absolutely hanging afterwards. Either keep your gum shield in, or have a runner that brings you your false teeth straight on afterwards. But listen, he's playing exceptionally well. Should he be in the squad? I think he should. But again, it it, it boils down to how Eddie Jones sees the the makeup of a a team and and that balance. It's like being an open side in Wales. There's so many good open sides in Wales, but realistically, you can only have one or two in the squad. In England, you're talking about number eights. You've got Don Brandt. Simmons, Barbary's playing there now. Eddie Jones has convinced him to to be a number eight as opposed to a hooker when Eddie Jones originally said, you're going to be a hooker. And Alfie Barbary was like, oh shit, I don't want to play hooker because that hurts. So I want to play back row where I'm decent. He can play six, but we also know you need a big rangy line-out option as six as well, don't you, I think? And that's something that Eddie Jones has always tended to pick. So hopefully he gets in the squad and hopefully he gets a, you know, a bit of a run in one of the games. But let's not forget it's Eddie Jones we're talking about. I'll tell you who I'd like to see back in. It's something that's been bugging me. Not only is he a beautiful man, I love the way that he plays, but it is one of your former clubs as well, Goody. Again, Brad Shields. Yeah. But but what I don't understand with Brad Shields is, I think they've effectively brought him over to get him in the England setup. I don't know. You might know better than me, but the way that he's playing, captain credentials, all these things that probably England are lacking a bit around leadership as well, and you've got someone like him who's not even in the mixer. And we're talking about Alfie Barbary, who's yeah. great. Obviously, one of my best mates now. And we're we're overlooking Brad Shields, and we know that probably so is Eddie Jones. Yeah, listen, I mean, I think he went through a bit of a tough time injury-wise when the opportunities were there. There's no doubt he, you know, he came over and he played for England. He went on tour to South Africa, I think it was, before he'd played a premiership game. 
he kept, went straight from New Zealand to South Africa. I think it was that a couple of years ago. Now, he has been monumental for Wasps. You know, in the face of adversity, Wasps, and you spoke about it last week, Jim, around all the injuries, all the players they're missing. He has turned up week in, week out. He's led from the front. He's playing exceptionally well. Again, though, is it more Eddie Jones looking towards younger, futuristic players than someone that's had a dig? And I don't know, it's harsh because I think he deserves his shot. But again, this is Eddie Jones, so who knows? Do you see any really high-profile names missing out? It's a difficult one because England are in transition. He's said that, bloody love that word. I think that the headline ones have, must have been done. Surely with the Vunapolas, I know Jamie George got back in. It almost seems like I don't know where else, where the big emissions would be. If, yeah, I'll throw it Maratoji, ain't going to be in. <laughs> <laughs> if Jack Noel comes back in, who would he be coming in for? Who would drop out of the outside backs? Yeah, I mean, Anthony Watson's injured. Obviously, Johnny May's going to be there. Freddie Stewart took on... The fullback mantle in the autumn was ridiculously good. He'll be at fullback. Yeah, Max Malins was good, uh, and it's quite interesting if you watched or saw Henry Slade's social media over the weekend. He he was giving Jack Noel a bit of stick and said he finally took the handbrake off when he made that break to score the try. So it's great. Listen, Jack Noel is a quality player. He's had injury issues. He does stuff that other wingers can't do. He's brilliant in and around the breakdown, making little snipes, little breaks. He works exceptionally hard defensively. He busts through tackles. His, his metres after contact are great. I'd have Jack Noel in the squad every day of the week. But again, it's the balance of Eddie Jones. Let's not talk him up too much, though, because Eddie won't pick him. Let's pick a couple of randomers. I'm going to pick two people who I think are going to be in the squad. And they're probably not, but I think they might, if you get me. Danny Kerr. Ooh. I don't think he will. On form, he should be. But Harry Randall, how good was he on Saturday for Bristol's. Mitchell as well, quality player. So I'm talking shite. Luzowski, <laughs> our mate, friend of the show, Alex Luzowski. He should be in. I think he's got a chance of being in. So I'm going to throw them out there. Danny Kerr and Loza. I don't know why I've not put any forwards in there. Maybe I'm veering towards the backs because I'm the skinniest one now. Let's have a look at the Champions Cup now then. Seven teams sealed their qualifications with a round to spare. Which team's performance has stood out as the most impressive for you guys so far? Only one, no doubt about it. I mean, you just dust the European champions at the mighty Coventry Building Society Arena, boys. We're 14 players. How about that? That is a hell of a performance. I, you know, backs against the wall in terms of injuries, players missing. I've been saying it all year. Jim Hamilton is now a diehard Wasps fan. He's even going with the hashtag, once a wasp, always a wasp. He wanted to be a wasp, didn't you, Jim? But for me, I've gone to Coventry at the weekend and I'm thinking, keep it under 30, lads. Keep it under 30, keep it under 40. Emotionally, you're thinking about what they put into the, the victory last week against Leicester. Oh, no. Toulouse rocked up, scored after one minute, and I'm thinking, oh, God, this could get nasty. And Toulouse, I'm just going to say it, Toulouse, how arrogant. Just playing from their own try line. Every time they got the chance, playing from their own try line, chucking it around as if they were going to score every time they touched the ball. And uh, Wasps showed an unbelievable amount of fight, guts, grit. They're playing against the best team in Europe with 14 men. Jacob Umunga goes off after what was it, about 20, 25 minutes or whatever it was for a red card, which I thought was debatable. Yet, somehow they found it in them to win with all that space at the back. Some massive performances. Bialo, where's he getting his engine from? Because he has got an engine and a half. And Jim, we chatted about it last week, didn't we? I've seen a cover tackle again. He sprinted about 40 yards and then got a turnover in the first half when he's just been shoving his head around in a scrum. Unbelievable from him over the last two weeks. Yeah, I was at Sarri's with Bialo. Interesting one. Knew he had something in him, and then he started rapping, and then we saw it. Long-legged, I don't want to get into too much detail. Unbelievable athlete, strong as an ox, strong as a bull, very good carrier, very long in the leg, which sometimes, as a tight head prop, can be difficult when you're scrummaging. Did question sometimes the ticker, how much he wanted it, but I think going to Wasp, I've seen that he obviously does want it. He's been given an opportunity at a high-level club through fault or design with the injuries that Wasp have had. He's taken his opportunities. He was in the firing last week against Leicester, came through. And like you said, he's up against the best team in Europe this week. And I say him, you mentioned him specifically, and we could talk about any number of Wasp players. We're talking about a tight head prop in the scrums, in the coalface of a lot of stuff that you need to be good at to play against the champions in Toulouse. And I was really impressed both last week and this week. And he's set a benchmark for himself now, not speaking for him, not his bloody mentor, I'm not his agent, and I'm not his dad. But he's a player that I saw as a young lad who I'm happy for because he's come through and he's done really well. And I agree with you on Wasps. 
the fight that they showed. You saw Brad Shields' interview after. We'll talk about the red card, I'm sure. And I think you said it at the start. To beat the champions of Europe and to beat Leicester, who were unbeaten this season, I mean, what a turnaround. Talk about confidence. I didn't see it coming. Like, even though they beat Leicester, I was like, there ain't a chance you beat beating to lose. Like, even though French teams don't travel well, and we've bloody seen that this weekend, haven't we, that they don't travel well. Even without Dupont, you know, Untermat being captain, the Toulouse are going to win. Like, of course they are. Oh, no, they're not. Let's talk about the red card, shall we? Andy Rose, shall I segue to that? Because that was the big thing that went around on social media. And I know that we like headlines and we like being involved in headlines. I am unsure whether you're correct on it, Andrew. And I like Jacob Abanger, his mum's mates of my mum. Oh, gosh. Like, how do you say it? Red card or not? I think it was. You know, Jacob's got history as well of being high in the tackle. It's a red card, not because I want it to be a red card, because I think it's a rugby incident. But in the framework of rugby at the minute, and it's high speed, it's head on head, like there weren't huge amount of mitigation. Like I'd love to sit here and be with, with all the other people that have said, and I've read a lot of people, a lot of credible people who've said it's not a red card. But in the framework of where the game's going, it is a red card. Surely, I don't know. Like, Goody, you tell me the mitigation. Well, I, d- I think the mitigation, there is a change of height. There's a, another tackler involved. Uh, undoubtedly, he gets his technique wrong because he's got his head on the wrong side. Uh, and the word for me is, you know, it's an accidental head-on-head collision. So he's actually got his head on the wrong side and he's hitting with the shoulder. And the Toulouse guys sort of jumped and propelled himself forward a little bit. It's it's a rugby incident, and this is a thing. I think there's enough mitigation to bring it down to a yellow. When you look at it, Jacob Umanga's looking in a different direction where his head is, so he's not sort of head first trying to hit with the shoulder and the head's there as well. He's trying to get out of the way. He's trying to get his head out of the way, and it's it's an incident where it is, to me, it is a, a rugby incident, accidental. But I can see why he's given him a red card. I question the force, you know, in terms of the force of the head being hit on head. Because actually Jacob's moving his head out of the way and he's led with the shoulder. So if he'd have gone shoulder into his head, then yeah, I'm saying it's a red card every day of the week. But I, I just think there was enough mitigation to make it a yellow card. And then obviously in the second half, Anthony Jalonch gets a, a yellow card for his shoulder to the head of Alfie Barbary. And there is mitigation there because Alfie Barbary's going down and you know Jalonch can do a bit more in terms of the tackle technique, but he's shoulder to headed him. But there is mitigation. So I, I just felt there's enough mitigation. It's a rugby incident. Sometimes you've got to look at it. And I know we're trying to get head-on-head collisions out of the game completely. And I've, you know, I've been an avid sort of supporter of that. The difference is in Jacob Umunga's head position and what he's trying to do. He's getting his head out of the way and he's looking in the wrong direction. So therefore, it's a rugby accident incident. And that's why, to me, it, you know, there is head-on-head contact. But there's mitigation there to say that it... To me, it should be a yellow card. I think what will happen, though, if I'm Wasps, I'm trying to defend this as hard as I can and say not guilty. The worrying thing for Jacob, and I interviewed him before the Leicester game uh, in the Andy Good suite, and I said, mate, what is a 65-kilo fly-off like your good self getting banned for tackling up top for? And, and what do you have to do? And he had to do this like a driving course, effectively, for tackling. So he had to present to the whole squad around how you should tackle. Does everyone have to do that? Well, you get the option uh, of reducing your ban if you do a effectively a tackle safety course and you have to present to your teammates tackle rehab yeah oh my word <laughs> tackle awareness course or like a driver's awareness course now i've done a couple of driver's awareness courses four hours you'll never get back but and it's his first game back you know i think it was 33 minutes into the game or whatever it's his first game back and from that ban and then you know if i'm wasp i'm trying to defend this till the cow sheds and back because he'll probably if he's found guilty he'll you know and if you go in there and admit guilt which I don't think he should do because I don't. I think it was an accident. Then he's going to get a, probably a ten week ban or something. There were a few decent comebacks over the weekend. Let's start with Leicester because they rested a few players and did a good job at Connacht, didn't they? Yeah. What I will say about Leicester is that is their biggest ever comeback in a European game. Twenty eight ten down with about twenty six minutes to go, and you're thinking the writing's on the wall. There's no no Ford, no Dan Cole to really come on and make a difference or whatever. They just found it in them from somewhere to win, didn't they? I think Connacht will be really frustrated. I think they stopped playing a bit. Uh, Leicester went back to the driving mall. Charlie Clare gets a try from that. And then Hosea Salmaki, mate, can you imagine tackling him? I looked at him when I was at Leicester a few weeks back. I'm like, my God, you are basically bigger than Lomu. Deke says he is phenomenal. As in, when he gets it right and he gets into his groove, 
whatever that means. He didn't say that. In his words, he did. Yeah, yeah. When he, w- w- yeah, yeah. When he gets like proper fit, proper fit, like he'll be. No, I'm only joking, Dicks. Um, he did say that. I don't know. What, I'm not joking, but I'm joking that I'm jesting. He said that he's going to be proper, absolutely proper. Like he said, he is a Japanese Tongan descent superhero. Yeah, I think everything that's happened in Tonga as well. I'm sure we'll be talking about that later on in the show. You could see the emotion around him, so it was poignant that he got the score at the end. But I'll say that Connor. We didn't speak about it last week. Tough place to go. Tough yeah. place to go. There ain't many teams that go there in Europe and pick up man of the matches when you're captain of Gloucester and get man of the match when you're captain of Gloucester. There ain't many people that do that or any teams that do that. But Can you prove that? I tell you now, I will put your Range Rover on it if you want. You can prove that A, you were Gloucester captain and B, you got man of the match. I might not have been captain, but I would have been vice captain. <laughs> but I got him. <laughs> I got man of the match. Uh, no, listen, you know, Sam Mackey scores a try. And the, the tough thing for him, you saw the emotion afterwards, and it must have been brutal. He didn't know. Obviously, the, the tsunami happened, the, the explosion of, of the, the volcano and stuff underwater. He started the game not knowing whether his family back home in Tonga are safe or not. So you can only tip the slipper. You can't even imagine putting yourself in his shoes, and they're massive shoes. They're about size 20. Fair play to him. And he's found that within him to score the try, bosh people over. He's an absolute unit. Brilliant for Leicester. They're obviously qualified in their group now to, to get to the last 16. But yeah, 28-10 down. That's some finding your way to win. That's what Leicester do this year, don't they? And it's what Quinns do as well, laid in the piece with the customary late fight pack at Cardiff, isn't it? Marcus Smith. Show. It is the Marcus Smith show. They didn't have Esther Hazen. They rested Esther Hazen this week. Uh, and I think, do you know what? For, for Quinns, they like to play on a bit of emotion. And, you know, they like the razzmatazz. They like the... The way that they play rugby now is they've got a clear identity, which they didn't have a couple of years ago. And they've gone to Cardiff in an empty stadium. And Cardiff, fair play to them, absolutely took it to them. Don Brandt gets yellow carded. Cardiff score, I think, three tries in that period where he was yellow carded pretty quick. Something like three tries in four or five minutes, which was brilliant. But Quinn's, you know, they, they were a little bit shell-shocked. They found their way back into the game. You're seven points down with four minutes to go. Just give it Marcus Smith, lads. He's danced around about four boys, scored under the sticks and then kicks the penalty to win it as well. So, mate, if there's anything or if there's a player in world rugby at the minute that's playing better than him, I want to see him because he is on fire. How impressed with Ulster were you guys with their win at Franklin Gardens? Massive. Not that Northampton are, with all due respect, contenders in my opinion for Europe, but in terms of where Ulster are as a team, and having watched them, commentated on them in the URC, they are a big team, like they yeah. are. But sometimes when it comes to the big, big games, but they seem with this year, with the psychology under Dan McFarland, we know that that's his background. And they've had a few blips this season. They only got beat by Glasgow in game one. But there is something in that side, without stating the obvious, they're quite similar to Northampton in terms of the journey that Northampton have been on and in terms of the profile of their team. But that was a massive win because it's a tough place to go and play against a, a motivated Northampton team that are very good. I didn't see Ulster winning. I, I'm happy to say that. I thought Northampton were going to win, but the way in which they they won, obviously, all the talk is around Mike Lowry. Mike Lowry. Mike Lowry. Tiny, tiny wee fella. But he is proper class. And, you know, we, we can go through a few of the Ulster players in terms of the performances and stuff. They're a proper, proper team. And if they get it right, they, I don't think they're good enough to win Europe. But being in the last 16 and competing in, the, in, in a couple of the knockout rounds, I think they could get there. I say they're not a team of superstars. When you actually look at the backbone of their team, they're a team of grafters. You know, in terms of the quality that they've got, I know they've signed uh, Dwayne Vermeulen, who is a world-class player, but he isn't a player that lights up a rugby pitch. He's a player that does everything to a world-class level. You know, Nick Timoney as well, we spoke about him a few weeks ago, phenomenal player in the back row. And we're going to be talking about back rows later on in the show, like the competition that they've got in Ireland. Treadwell as well, O'Connor. Like they've got guys that are kind of stalwarts in the team that deliver week in, week out. They're a team of grafters and... Like for me, I want to see Ulster win the URC. I want to see them play that game against Leinster. It could be someone else in the final and win that. That's their evolution. Get to a quarter, get to a semi of Europe. But I'm a big fan of Ulster. Obviously, Stevie Ferris, friend of the show. A few of us listen to the show and I love Ulster as well. What happened to Glasgow, Jim? Daddy Wilson said after, shell-shocked. Didn't see it coming. I, I didn't think they'd win. 
I didn't think they'd beat Exeter. You talk about the bit between the teeth. Exeter were desperately, desperately needed to win the game. 50 minutes, Glasgow were in it. Like, as in, yeah. look at the scoreboard, there's three points in it at half time. So it was always going to be a tough game for Glasgow because the way they played against Exeter at home was phenomenal. Could they replicate that physicality, that emotion at Sandy Park when Exeter were going to be literally brimming, steaming? slippered, desperate. They were desperate men, Exeter. And the way that they played that last 30 minutes showed. Glasgow just dropped off. They, they did, you know, the coaches made a couple of changes for whatever reason. Rory Darge came off. You know, we didn't know whether he was injured. Turns out he wasn't. It was just about game management. But there was just yeah. a number of reasons. And Exeter, like the scoreboard says it, they had 50 uh, put on them. And that's a humbler for Glasgow because the season's been going really well for them. Been a really, really good season for them. You know, just said it then. They beat Exeter at home. You know, and the thing is, you look at now, you're thinking, well, it's over for Glasgow. Well, it isn't. No, it's not. They've got to beat La Rochelle. I mean, <laughs> easier said than done. But they've only got to get a win. One more win, the win against La Rochelle, and they can still qualify. But that's, that's a humbler. You wonder how they'll come back. For me, I think it's a positive in terms of Scottish rugby because it is a humbler. It's better to have that. And I say this, I know we're talking about Europe, but we've got two professional teams in Scotland, in Edinburgh and Glasgow. Uh, both got beat. Going into that game against England, it shows that if you're a little bit off, if you're a little bit off, like Glasgow were, I don't think they were miles off. Discipline wasn't great. And we know what X to do. You know, they're away at Sandy Park, tough place to go and play. And it was three points in half time. And, you know, they were in it 50 minutes. Yeah, they took the lead in the second half with the try, didn't they? And then Exeter found what a lot of people have been watching Exeter have been waiting for. So their accuracy, the shapes that they're putting on the back line, I, th- I thought Simmons at 10 controlled things really well, just picking the right options. Oh, Flaherty, some questionable defence at times from Glasgow. I'll tell you one thing though, Stuart Hogg, I ain't ever seen him celebrate tries like he celebrated at the weekend. He was nearly in the crowd before the ball's gone down. He was absolutely loving it against his old club. I'm just going to question whether it was a little bit too much, was it? Well, it's funny you say that. It's funny, genuinely, I did think that. I did think that. But that's how he is. Like He's like that, yeah. you know, whoever he plays for. And I think that that game probably at Scotston where he probably got a bit of shit from the crowd, just a bit of banter, whatever that means now these days. But I think that that's what it was. He loves Exeter. He absolutely does. You know, he's had his lid done there. He's had his tags done there. Like he's, always, <laughs> he's, like, he's like a different bloke. Like he's a different bloke though. He's had his tattoos done there. You know, so ultimately it's the evolution of Stuart Hogg there. And he loves it. He said that he's going to stay. And I thought the same. But not in a bad way. I was like, he's obviously desperate to win. That's what he's like. Yeah. He's a competitor. And I think for, not for saving face, but I think for extra as a club, if they would have lost it, that was it for them. So I think that and the fact that, you go know, going back into Scotland camp as captain, having beaten Glasgow, not just beating them, put 50 points on them. You want that, don't you? You don't want to be Scotland captain and you go in with your, your mullet between your legs, do you? Back no. into camp in a couple of weeks' time, having been knocked out of Europe by Glasgow. Yeah. So I think it was a positive all round in terms of the result. And I know that sounds a ridiculous thing to say. And it was a proper good game as well. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment. So it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, we're going to get Caden Doris on shortly, but before we do, let's talk about that match in Dublin. Some people are saying Montpellier should be facing sanctions for the team that they picked against Leinster. What are your thoughts? Massive, massive mismatch. Yeah, I mean, I've done a bit of digging and they had their game cancelled the week before. I think it was against Toulouse because of COVID. I think they had 18 COVID cases in their camp in the week. The whole issue around the travel as well. And you, you see Philippe San Andreas for the game. He's a friend of the show. He's a lovely guy. And what they could have done and I don't want to say this lightly, but Montpellier could have just said, we can't get a team out, so we'll lose it. And you're probably saving face by saying, we can't get a team out because of COVID, and we'll take the 5-0 defeat in terms of league points. Now, an 89-point drop-in, 89 points to 7, and people looking at it going, oh, find them, you know, boot them out of the competition. People come out with stupid things. When you look into it, the injuries they had, the COVID situation... They've actually shown a bit of integrity, and, and Philippe Saint-André said it himself. They did everything they can to get a team out and, and get the game to go ahead. Because obviously there was a lot in the press about the game before, where Leinster had the issues with COVID and Montpellier got the five points. So there was, there was obviously that in the background. You kind of got to credit Montpellier for getting a team out there and, and playing a lot of young kids against what is probably the toughest place to go to in the pool rounds of Europe. You, know, you look at Leinster's record that they've got at the RDS. I, without knowing the exact facts, I don't know how many games they've lost there over the last however many years in, in the group stages. They probably haven't lost more than one or two. So it's the toughest place to go in terms of a European group match. And, you know, 89 points doesn't look great, but they did everything they can. And we've got to understand we're in COVID time. So 18 cases of COVID last week, those players have been isolating. You know, you don't know how many could have got back fit and playing, you know, and, and and the result is an 89-point drop-in. So, fair play. They got the game to go ahead. They could have taken the 5-0 and said, we can't make it. But it just doesn't look great at 89 points, does it? Well, speaking of that win for Leinster, we're going to have a chat now with a man who is right at the heart of it. Leinster and Ireland back rower, Caelan Doris, joins us. How are you, mate? How are you, lads? Yeah, good fun me on. How's things? Caelan, it's been a long time coming. It's class to have you. I don't know whether to say congratulations on the win or commiserations for not scoring. Last time there was a scoreline <laughs> that I played in a game like that it was against India. I don't know if you saw it. It was around 2005 and I scored a hat-trick. How are you feeling after the game, I should say? That's the question that I was trying to get out with a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Disappointing not to score, like you said. I was fishing towards the end, but uh, no, it was an enjoyable one ideal conditions in Dublin and not having played in I think it was four or five weeks so uh, we were all raring to go and had a little mini pre-season so we're in pretty good shape for it Mate, I, I, have you had a bit of a ribbon from any of the lads you scored 13 tries as a team 89 points and you didn't get on the try scoring sheet we know you're not scared of a try here or there you must have had some <laughs> some banter from the boys there's a few greedy lads actually going for doubles um, <laughs> so there's a fair few of us who didn't score so on the game, and I know, look, we've got to be respectful of one of my former teams, Montpellier, but you've also got to be quite factual when you look at it and you look at what unfolded in your game and how comfortable it, it was. Was it that comfortable? Have you played in a more comfortable game? And I know you've got to be respectful because of your position. You don't want to fire too many people up. You know, some of them could be or one day playing for France and they'll remember it. But what was it like to play? And was it a bit of a weird game or was it really enjoyable? It was definitely enjoyable, yeah. It was a little bit weird in the sense that we were pretty dominant from kind of the first minute. But yeah, it was enjoyable because like, it's almost like in some ways what we've done on the training field over the last few weeks just coming together. Lots of offloads and that sort of stuff. So it was definitely enjoyable. Conditions were class. Not having played in ages as well was fun. But uh, yeah, defence was probably optional, as you'd say it sometimes. But um, yeah, no, it was good. It must have been hard to actually prepare, wouldn't it? Because when you see the teams, you're looking at it and, you know, we know sort of Montpellier play a brand of rugby with, you know, a big sort of powerful forward pack. But you're looking at the team, they've obviously had a massive load of COVID issues. You can only really focus on yourself. And it ended up being a bit of a training run, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a pity in a way it wasn't their strongest team. We had prepped as if it was going to be. Um, and it's a pity for the competition if some of the French teams maybe aren't putting all their focus into it. Because for us, it's the pinnacle of club rugby and... We treat it as such. And so it's a bit of an extra buzz around the place when it's European week. 
Uh, and I think that's the way for most teams, but it's a pity if not all the French teams are doing the same. And Kayla, when you look at it as well as a, a team like Leinster, like you are, and having watched you guys closely over the last few years, I can't remember what year it was. It, it, might, it was the year you played Saracens and you lost, I think it was either in the quarters or semis. Jim, let it go. I know, I know. I had, I had nothing to do with it. But my point being was, like you had some crazy run-up into that game. Like I mean, you were winning games comfortably. You guys seem, and Ireland obviously as well, is you're at your best when you, you're tested, right? So... What an 80 point win against Montpellier, as, as good as it is, you want to be properly tested, don't you? The URC, again, is a competition that you win comfortably, you win a lot of games comfortably. Is that where training needs to be stepped up? Is that where you, the, the squad and, and the energy that's put into training, the focus, is that what's going to push you on to become champions? Because there are comfortable games out there for, for you where you can win them comfortably with the strength and depth that you've got as well. Yeah, training's huge for us. We kind of try and see it as our point of difference. And there's obviously so much competition within our squad. So not having games over the last few weeks, we had a few internal hit outs, refs coming in and doing a proper job. So that was definitely beneficial to us. But uh, yeah, the addition of the South African teams as well, I think obviously it hasn't, it's, hasn't been great so far this year with COVID, but going forward, I think they add an extra edge and the physicality as well. Because uh, probably over the last few years, it's been... In the semis or finals with the bigger, powerful teams where we've struggled and probably because we haven't faced much of that throughout the season. So I think the addition of those teams might prep us better for that stage of the season. And just talking about training, you mentioned it there, you get refereeing and have a proper ding-dong. Does it get quite tasty? Because the squad size is huge, isn't it? And the competition, especially in the back row at Leinster, is absolutely phenomenal. I can imagine Reese Ruddock going around. He's not in the team. He's on the bench. He just wants to fill. Is that where you got the black eye? Was it in a training game? Or was it actually on the on the pitch? <laughs> it, it, it was friendly. Fire all right. But it was actually in the game yesterday. Porter on his birthday whacked me in a mall yesterday. So uh, he's, he's definitely one who likes to do a bit of friendly fire himself. Himself and Delph Toner as well. Limbs flying everywhere. Caelan, how about you personally then, mate? Uh, you're in my top three best players. I'm actually thinking I'm on holiday. I've been thinking about NFTs. I might get an NFT made up of you and just keep it and try and sell it all in a few years' time when you become <laughs> British and Irish Lions captain. But Let how... me know. I'll, I'll take a commission on that. Yeah, absolutely. We could do a deal after this. But how are things for you? I mean, you clearly are, I don't expect you to say this, a phenomenal player. We've seen that you know, during the Autumn Series. You're back fully fit, but you've had some tough, times recently with the concussion it's obviously a hot topic in rugby at the minute how do you see the lay of the land with that both personally uh, and everything that's happening in the game at the minute around this point um i think it's definitely moving in the right direction and even probably since you lads played it's developed a hell of a lot i think it needs to be taken pretty seriously and is being done so for the most part yeah i would like i was incredibly happy with how i was looked after i was kind of getting increasingly worried and worried and worried about some symptoms that I've spoken about before. And it's hard to kind of, they're obviously heightened by the anxiety around it all. So it's kind of hard to differentiate between, am I just hyper vigilant and noticing it more or is it actually happening? So the anxiety around it was definitely tied into it heavily for me. But um, yeah, taking the break and being looked after by all the best people and having baselines across the board going forward now, it gives me much more peace of mind. So I know we obviously have uh, baselines at the start of each season, but yeah, potentially more comprehensive ones going forward could be an area for development. But uh, yeah, I think even just having conversations about it more and sort of not um, treating it as any other injury um, is going to be beneficial as well, just in open communication and dialogue around it. Yeah, Kellen, how tough is it as a, as a young man coming through the system Arguably good enough to play for the British and Irish Lions. You know, X number of island caps out there, X number of salaries on the line, knowing that you you could potentially be a top-level player. But like you said, having to go through them symptoms where I'm sure there probably is an anxiety thinking, like, am I tired? Am I over overthinking about it? Am I a bit depressed? All them things that go into the mix. Like, how difficult is that as a young man? Because there'll be people listening to this who are, you know, on that journey as well and having to take it upon themselves to look after themselves, knowing that when they get back, they'll be right and go on to be who they always wanted to be in terms of a player. But how difficult is that as a young man? Yeah, it was tough. I was kind of, at the start, I was kind of able to compartmentalise and like I was enjoying the rugby and I was playing quite well and on a bit of an upward trajectory. So 
I kind of was able to sort of hide it and say, oh, I'll deal with it later if they keep going on or push it to the side. What I'd say now and what I can say with the benefit of hindsight is if there is anyone going through something similar, just get it checked once there's any worry at the very start. The likelihood is you're going to be fine. Maybe take a little break and you'll be absolutely grand. It's like the, the opposite, letting it build up and build up. Um potentially could do some damage and there might be bigger repercussions so uh, get it checked while it's a smaller issue one of the things that you did as well obviously came over to Birmingham to see a specialist but now you you wear a, a specific type of scrum cap as well don't you to help out you give us a bit of detail on that for the millions that might want to sort of look into that as well yeah just I need to get a discount code for this scrum cap or something <laughs> I'll sort them out on the NFTs don't worry on the <laughs> yeah, NFTs yeah. We'll, put, we'll put you in that one mark it up <laughs> yeah I actually have no affiliation with the company but um yeah now I'm enjoying the scrum cap it's Nampro it's an Irish company based out of Galway and they've done some studies around it's a particular fabric that is shown to reduce force it sort of disperses the force across the scrum cap which is different to other scrum caps so there's some a fair few studies showing that it can help with blows to the head and reduce um the chances of getting concussed uh, like obviously a lot of concussions are sort of the whiplash effect so it's not going to do much for that but sort of blunt forces to the head it's definitely i found it useful anyway um although it hasn't stopped me from my face getting battered over the last few weeks but uh no, I like it. it. It is a topical thing at the minute. And I think a player with your history, but also your standing in terms of performances on the pitch, it's great to get your take on that, especially for parents that will be listening with you know, girls and boys that want to play the game. And the fact that you've come through that to be where you are now and be where you are now as the Autumn Nations player of the series. And I'm just looking down because I'm looking at some of the names. DuPont, Etzebeth, good friend of the show, Untermac. Probably after us bagging to lose, he won't be a friend of the show. Marcus Smith, definite friend of the show. It must have been nice. I know it is, you know, it, it's all about the players and the coaches. But how nice was that with everything you just spoke about in the build-up to get into the place where you were in that Ireland squad as a team, but personally in the autumn? Yeah, it was cool. I think, like, the whole automations, the whole camp and all the games, I completely, I loved all of it, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think that was partly because of the rough start to the year I'd had. Um, and then, yeah, being capped off with being named player of the tournament as well was, yeah, it was nice. Although I think probably the whole of my hometown and Ballina voted for me, so it was probably skewed a little bit. But anyway, I'll take it. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. Uh, and on that, obviously, you know, the, the, the autumn was fantastic for Ireland. We saw towards the back end of the Six Nations you know, the dominant victory over England. We're looking forward now to the Six Nations. We're, you're not going to say it, we're presuming you're going to be in the squad because of, you know, your performances and your form. What's changed for, for Ireland over the last sort of six, eight months? Because, you know, there was a bit of pressure on Andy Farrell uh, initially and obviously Mike Katz there, you know, who, who I know pretty well. The attacking game really came on in the autumn, didn't it? I'll basically say it's down to you, right? <laughs> yeah, actually not a whole lot has changed really in terms of game plan or style of play. It's probably probably time under the coaches and sort of building a little bit more cohesion and understanding of the game plan subtle things around reading cues off each other and stuff like that but yeah no like it's things that both teams are exciting and how we play and so for a young player it's a class place to be in and top class coaches as well in both setups so uh yeah no i'm loving that at the minute and what about the teams that you come up against i mean the all blacks naturally stood in front of the hacker and the emotion and everything that goes into playing a game like that of that magnitude at home but what are the other games Kaylin that you are like personally think like that's the one I want to play in that game I've watched it on TV everyone speaks about it surely it's Scotland is it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Scotland is always a big one for us to be fair that was my debut actually only lasted three or four minutes speaking of concussion I was out cold but um, now England England at home or away is always huge We've France and England both away this year, so they're going to be key games and pretty exciting ones. Thinking back to like 2018, the Grand Slam year for us, they were both massive wins. Obviously, Johnny's drop goal in the last play and then a pretty dominant victory over in Twickenham as well. So they're two key fixtures for us anyway. Caelan, just uh, from me, just fanboy, and it's, a, it's such a shit question, but I'm going to ask, but you know the bat rows that playing at the minute? 
and I'm putting you in the top three players. This is in my fantasy team in the world. But in terms of back rows, you know, when you're looking at players and we were discussing around England's back row, like Barbary, Tom Curry played number eight, Don Brandt, all these players. Is there anyone that you're watching? And I imagine you watch a little bit of rugby where you're like, yeah, he's class. Like he's a class back row player. I think Don Brandt over the last two years has been very good. He's got such a sort of broad skill set, runs very good lines, got a great partnership with Danny uh, Clare. So, yeah, I, I like a lot of what he's doing. Good skills around his offloading and stuff as well. That's the area of the game I'm trying to improve. So, uh, yeah, I've been watching a good bit of him. All right, Karen, thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate all the talk around concussion as well. And best of luck, both with Leinster and Islander in the Six Nations. Cheers, lads. Good to be on. Thank you. Cheers, Caden Mel Doris. Class to have you, mate. Cheers, buddy. Top lad. Yeah, he is. He is. What a lovely guy. I mean, it's tough, isn't it? Your question around a concussion and, and what you do is you're making your way in the game. First and foremost, he's looked after himself, hasn't he? And done the right thing by himself. And there were some questions there. But actually to talk about it in, in, in public and then see his recovery and see how well he's playing, it's phenomenal. I feel a bit shit asking the question because it's almost, it's not a taboo subject. It isn't, but it's a tough one to contextualise, both asking the questions and probably for him talking about it because his journey is different to someone else's or his story is different to some of the others. But I also think it's incredibly powerful, especially as we work our way through both in the media, on the podcast, you know, players, fathers, you know what I mean? Parents, teachers, coaches, to have someone like him speak about it and talk about his story, because not a lot of people will know. They'll be watching Kellen Doris play and think, oh, that lad's unbelievable, not yeah. knowing his backstory. But if they listen to the podcast and they're aware of what he's been through, you know, I've heard about his scrum cap as well. I can't remember the name, Empro or, or whatever it's called. We're not here to plug them. But I think he is a fantastic person to talk about the situation of concussion. He's come through it properly. And then we're just piggybacking Superfan Jim, aren't we? Love him as a player. Like, yeah. absolutely love. Like, he's everything that I thought I was. You may, no, 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 no. I know. I know. I thought I was. I thought I was. No, Caelan Doris is a top-tier international <laughs> rugby player who can run, can tackle, he's offloading game, his lines. Jim, you were just the dummy lines. You were the decoys and the mauler. I wouldn't have even, even been a latcher. I wouldn't have even been the lad. They wouldn't have allowed me to latch onto Caelan Doris. My, my thing being is like, that is, if, if you were to say to me like, Right, how would you have wanted to be in as a rugby player? How would you want to be? Like Lomu, Wilkinson. I'd be like, no, it'd be Caleb Old Doris. That is how I'd want to be as a rugby player. That is like my ultimate style of play. Just absolutely carving everything up that I touched. I did it a few times, but obviously I don't <laughs> want to talk about it too much. It is the modern game, but no, class to get him on. Before we look ahead to the final games of the pool stages in the Champions Cup, have you guys heard that we're up for an award? We have Andy right. I'll, I'll, I'll put it down to you, mate. You, you lead the troops here really well. <laughs> you are guiding us like I am like a primed pedigree chump. Highland cow. Goody's a mongrel, mongrel mob. He's like <laughs> bulletproof. And you're guiding us around. You're like the shepherd. <laughs> guiding the sheep around the field. You are. I'm not bothered about awards. Mm. Genuinely, I'm not. I just like man of the matches and stuff like that. You know, just, just don't worry about them. You know, it's a team thing. It's just. <laughs> the people when was the last award you guys got i was nominated in my season i came out of retirement seven games of the season i was nominated for player of the season in the premiership so yeah what more can you do but andrew that was a piss take you do know that what you're you? about was a piss take it wasn't a piss take how was it a piss take i got about 80 messages of people saying vote for andy good i was like i already have what you're on about mate single-handedly <laughs> kept newcastle in the prem was it actually a piss take jim of course it was there's a bit of bitterness there yeah. from James. Some of us have been nominated for Players Player of the Season multiple times throughout their career, and some of us haven't. Hey, James. At my penultimate year at Saris, I got... Most Improved. Members Player of the Year. Most Improved. Don't ever say that. I got that about four times. <laughs> See, I'm not bothered about awards. Getting Most Improved is the shittest one you can get. It's basically... You're not as shit as you were last year. Well done. <laughs> If you do want to vote for us, just go to sportspodcastawards.com and give us your vote there. Well, let's look ahead to the round four and the qualification picture now then. Are there any big movers? Can anyone else sort of make a big impact with this uh, much time left in the pool stage? Yeah, I, I listen, I think 
I reckon that the top eight in each pool finishes as it is now. The big one is obviously Glasgow and Pool A. They play La Rochelle at home. They're eight at the minute. Montpellier, they play Exeter at home. You know, they took 89 points. If they get a point, then Glasgow have got to get something against La Rochelle. If Montpellier win, that's the only real decider in Pool A. And then in Pool B, Wasps are sitting in eighth at the minute. Cast, I can't see them getting anything from Quinns. Stade Francais have got an opportunity if they can beat Connacht at home to overturn that, dependent on whether Wasps get anything. So I think the top eight from each pool, if results go the way you expect them to, is probably finalised, I reckon. So, But we shall see. Well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, yeah, loads of good this week. We're going to start off in France, James, and Bordeaux. If you haven't had a chance to watch this, you need to watch Cameron Wockey's try from the first half. An absolute worldie from Bordeaux. Offloading and moving the point of contact all over the place. It looked like a trading run gone right against the Scarlets. So, a uh, hell of a try from them. And staying in Bordeaux, Louis Bielbiare. He's not related to Alfie Barbaré, but Louis Bielbiare, 18 years of age, the first 18-year-old to score a hat-trick and on his European debut, He's gone back to school today in France, so he's got a hell of a show and tell for his mates for his three tries. So, hell of an effort from Louis BLBRA. How would you get on with that in comms, Jim? I'll just say the quick young fella. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, what else is good? Leinster, their biggest ever margin of victory in the Champions Cup and the third biggest ever win in the competition overall. So, um, you know, we all saw what happened. 89 points, but some sparkling rugby from the Leinster boys. Courtney Laws gets a shout-out this week. 250th game for Saints. Uh, that is a decent run of games for him at Northampton Saints. A one-club man, and he's obviously played a hell of a lot for England as well. So, shout out to Courtney Laws. Here we Love it. Speaking of Saints, and they don't get a mention of the good, obviously, but their opposition do. Ulster winning on the road at Northampton Saints. Mike Lowry was outstanding. Balakoon and McElroy completing the back three. I thought they were unbelievable at times. So, a massive performance from the Ulster boys. Exeter's second half dominance gets a mention of the good this week. Six tries in that second half, and they absolutely pulled Glasgow's pants down in that last 25 minutes, showing skid marks galore, didn't they, Jim? Well, I've already spoken about it. I don't want to go too hard, but yeah, I mean, they were pretty filthy, let's be honest. <laughs> so a big shout-out to them. Leicester Tigers get a mention in the good again this week, as ever. 28 points to 10 down. Then Hosea Samaki scores the winner at the death. It's their biggest ever comeback in Europe, so massive shout-out to the Leicester Tigers. Marcus Smith, again. Seem to be mentioning the same things week in, week out in the good here. Leicester Tigers, Marcus Smith. He was the match winner again for Harlequins. Scored a try, conversion and a penalty in the last four minutes. Sparkling stuff from the man that hopefully is going to don the England number 10 shirt against Scotland in a few weeks' time at the start of the Six Nations. What else was good? I mentioned this earlier, or I paid reference to it, but we have some big listeners of this podcast, James. Do you know who they are? Well, anyone from royalty all the way down to my local bin man. You tell me. There you go. Nicola Sturgeon and Mark Drakeford. Mark Drakeford, the First Minister of Wales. Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister of Scotland. Both listened to the podcast last week. They've both opened it up again. We are going to see full crowds in Wales and in Scotland for the Six Nations. They've been given the green light by the government for fans to return, which I think is a massive positive. We spoke about it last week. We just make shit happen, Jim. Well, I'm not even shocked. You see, I didn't flinch when you said that. I know they listen. But no, it's <laughs> class to have fans back. I mean, especially after last season, let's be honest, it's going to be absolutely amazing, this Six Nations. I can't wait, pal. And then the good. Well, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I gave it to him last week. And I'm repeating myself again, Jim. Where's the good going this week, young James? Oh, someone at Wasps. Well, just washed collectively, eh? Down to 14 men. Alfie Barbary was absolutely massive. So was Brad Shields. But Alfie Barbary's stats, 10 tackles made, two turnovers, six defenders beaten, and a try in beating the European champions to lose. With 14 men, a massive performance from everyone at Wasps. Andy Goodsweet was rammed. So, Wasps, you get the good this week. Error. The bad. We're going to start off with that phenomenal Scottish rugby gym. They're in a phenomenal place. But we're going to give them a mention. Both Scottish teams lost this weekend, so uh, I've got to give that a mention in the bad. Edinburgh lost in the final play of the game at London Irish, who have been in your good 10 times this season. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, they get a mention in the bad. Uh, what else? The Welsh regions, they're going to get a mention in the bad. All four of them lost in Europe this weekend, and for everyone listening, no Welsh team has won a game in Europe yet this season, whether it be the Champions Cup or the Challenge Cup for Dragons. I'll just blame Luke Narraway, the recycler. It's not good for Welsh rugby, is it, Jim? We're going to go back to it. Glasgow's last 25 minutes. Skids like you wouldn't believe. They get mentioned the bad. But the bad this week, unfortunately, can only go to one place. Montpellier. 
18 COVID cases in the camp. They did everything they can to get the game on in terms of selection with illness and injury, but who takes 89 points, Jim? Not me ever. So I don't know who else, but not me. Are they, do you reckon they went out or not? I'll have a story if they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Montpellier get the bad this week. And then the ugly, only one bit of ugly really, Massivesi, Dak and Wanger. 60 points down for Montpellier. Montpellier get it again, basically. 60 points down. He lost his head. He's put a shoulder to the back of the head of Josh van der Flair, who was absolutely dominating throughout the game. So, massive Essie, Daku Wanga, you get the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yes, I have. A massive shout-out to nearly everyone at Windsor Rugby Club. Uh, there's one guy who's a bit of a noise that I won't mention him. Uh, he knows who he is. But they did lose quite a few players over the last couple of years over the pandemic, and they're struggling for availability. So they're doing a new player drive this month. I don't know how good they are on the pitch. Well, they won at the weekend, so not too bad. But they're decent lads on the piss and off the pitch. So they came to a live show. We put a, had a few races with them and, and put them to bed there. So uh, if you're anywhere near Windsor... Head down to the club and join in and have some fun. They're good lads off the pitch. They need some help on the pitch. And I promised them that Jim Hamilton would go and play one game for him this year. So, Jim, get the fucking boots out. Well, all I know that Windsor has is a castle. Yeah, I also want to give a message of support for everyone in Tonga and everyone who's got family and friends over there after the volcano erupted and caused a tsunami, uh, as we've seen all over the news over the last few days. There's obviously been a huge amounts of damage and devastation caused and communication problems are getting the full picture. is quite difficult at the minute, so we don't know how people have been affected and if they've managed to be in touch with any loved ones. But Tonga obviously plays a massive part and is a huge part of the rugby family. And hopefully there's lots that we can do to support them in the weeks and months to come. And we're sending all our best wishes to everyone affected here from the Rugby Pod. Yeah, certainly are. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to vote for us at sportspodcastawards.com. Check out eventbrite.co.uk if you fancy coming along to one of our live shows in Liverpool, Cardiff or Manchester. And make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Hamilton for Rupee Spod. Spotted pod, 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 pod. pod.